What's up, you Sir Junkies? I'm your host among hosts, Cole Adam Davis, and welcome back to another episode of Absurd Curiosity Podcast. For those of you who are new, welcome. We must talk about science, technology, medicine, really pretty much anything that interests us and we want to learn about. But the most important part is that we laugh and have a great time while doing so. The conversation you're going to hear is like kind of a big step from our normal, which now that I think about it, I say that a lot on here. It seems like every episode is a different step from the normal. This episode is with Dr. Joe Davis. He's a PhD in apologetics, and just so you know, apologetics, I didn't know this, is basically God's lawyer. Basically, they just go through and they try to prove the work of God. And what we talk about in this episode is ranges from, like, morality, is religion real, psychedelics, it gets pretty interesting. This episode shares an example of what it is like to have a polite, funny, and very enlightening conversation with somebody that shares different views. This podcast was incredibly amazing to make and even edit. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you for watching. So thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Joe Davis. We're so glad to have you on. Steven, whenever he originally introduced the idea to have you on, he was like, look, you got to bring this guy on. He's pretty much like God's lawyer, uh, and, and we have to just bring him on. So I'm curious. I've never been really a religious person myself, uh, and I'm not sure if Sean has either. Um, so and I don't I don't I want to state this. I don't hate on religion. And I was actually very welcoming to the idea of learning a little bit more about somebody that defends Christianity. Uh, very interesting name. Stephen told me that it's called Apology. Is that? Apolog- apologetics. Apologetics. Okay. Now, yeah. how good are you at apologizing? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've heard pretty that so many times before. It, so yeah, I would hope you were pretty, pretty good. good at it. Yeah. Uh, let's just say I enjoy it greatly. How about that? And uh, how good I am, uh, I you know, who knows? I don't know. Or, or did you mean apologizing? Very good at apologizing, yes. I've been married 37 years, and I've mastered the craft. <laughs> so, in an email you sent us, you want to talk about a boy's boy's home. And I, I, I didn't quite get to read the full email, um, but what what is that about? Can you tell us a little bit about Yeah, I appreciate you letting me talk about that before we get to more cerebral things. Uh, I teach ethics class, as well as philosophy and theology and things like that, but... Uh, one of the things I teach in ethics is that uh, real ethics is not merely just the theory, but there has to be praxis or there has to be activity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, instead of just teaching about it, I decided to do something. <laughs> uh, it sounds, like a, sounds like a strange concept, I know. <laughs> I run an orphanage for people who are orphans in the true sense of the word mm-hmm. or worse. And what I mean by that is uh, children who have been removed from their families because of abuse and neglect. Oh, okay. And so 86% of the boys that come to us have been sexually abused. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And the rest as a result of neglect. And the stories are, are I had no, you know, we hear about these things in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. I get the children that you read about in the newspaper that are neglected and their their parents are going jail basically and so i had a, a couple of boys come to me my first year i was there their parents have been shot dead right in front of them jesus so no yeah yeah so their their family there wasn't anybody that wanted to take them in 
and so they came to us. So we get children who are orphans in the true sense of the word, or have been removed from their families because it is unsafe. And so our job is to, if possible, reunite them with the families. But the reality is, in many instances, they're not able to be reunited. And so they will grow up at this boys' home. And uh, when I came on board, I asked a question, and I'm so glad you're letting me talk about it, because this is something I didn't know anything about, truthfully, until I got into it. And it's such a big need in our society. And so I said, what happens to the boys when they turn 18? Which seemed like a reasonable question. And they said, well, we wish them well. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean you wish them well? Yep, that's, what does that's that what mean? happens. And the answer was, they dropped them at a, at a homeless shelter. And so for your 18th birthday, you got to be homeless. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? And so I told them before they hired me, if you hire me, we're going to have a transitional house because I can't figure out for the life of me why you would raise boys to be 18 to throw them on the street. Mm -hmm. Now, the statistics on this are that, according to University of Chicago, 44%, almost 50%, of children who turn 18 in foster care will be in jail in two years. Wow, that is that is a large portion. Now, how... if you think about it, it makes perfect sense because if you're going to make people homeless, what are they going to do? Yeah, they got to fend you know? for their own. You know, what are, what are they going to do? So I told them this, and uh, they hired me anyway. I'm glad to say, after being there for eight years, we now have three transitional homes, and I'm looking into buying a fourth one. How many kids are you bringing in at a time? Well, it fluctuates because sometimes they're going to be reunited with their family. So it fluctuates anywhere from 6 to 19. And then in our transitional houses, they're all full. It's as many as zoning will allow us to hold. And the fire department, I should say. That, that by mm -hmm. the way, is a sore subject. But anyway, <laughs> uh, now the really good news, and thanks for letting me talk about this. The really good news is of the children that come to our transitional house who have no family, only 14% will have a high school diploma or GED because of the trauma that has occurred in their life. Many of them haven't gone to school for years when they come to us. And so by coming to a transitional house, what occurs is that they have the ability to graduate. And so our graduation rate from high school is over 90% after five years of doing this. And here's the real interesting one. 50% of those will go into college. That is absolutely great. Do you help yeah. them get scholarships or anything? Or are they just like, they say, well, yeah. or they, a, they reach out and get it for themselves? Well, it's a great question. Now, in the state of Florida and probably other states too, they can go to school at a state university or community college for free. Really? Now, that sounds, yeah, that sounds really good. But remember what I'm saying. These are children who don't have a family. So while you can go to class for free, you don't have anywhere to lay your head. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in other words, sometimes I sit back and I go, who thought of all of this? This is, this is ridiculous mm -hmm. because nobody's going to school if you, can't, if you have nowhere to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so the bottom line is by providing housing for them, they now have the opportunity to be able to actually go to college. And so uh, it's really uh, such a simple solution, frankly. And yet, I don't know. I'm not really sure why, why no one's thought of it. But before? You know, it's, I'm but sure there's other people that have thought of this. How do you fund that? Yeah, great question. So we're going to get about 50% of our funding from the state, mm -hmm. and they're going to give us a rate. Uh, they and we all know, or they know and we know, that in fact, 
that's not going to cover the costs. And so I asked them one time, how are we supposed to do this? I mean, you know, am I supposed to make gold out of straw here? How does this, how does this work? And uh, they said, Dr. Davis, you have a Christian organization. Go ask for money. Wow. So they're pretty blunt about it. Oh, oh they're absolutely blunt. <laughs> they're like, ask for money. And I'm like, and then, and okay. then your return is, well, what about the separation of church and state? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, don't. It's just unbe unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, it's, it I is when it's convenient, you, right? <laughs> it's, it's just crazy, really. I mean, it's just crazy. And here's the, here's the thing I tell people. Look, you're going to pay somehow, some way. If these kids don't actually get into a transition house, you're going to put them in jail and you're going to be paying for the rest of their lives. And, and the cost of jail kind of, for years. Quite well, and then people of, realize the, the cost of free health care that gets handed out because they go to county hospitals once they're homeless or they get sick or right. anything happens. And then the county that's just right. writes that off. Well, that's, that's another part of the local taxpayers' money that goes to that person because they know they're not getting paid for it, but they have to treat yeah. them. You know, It's just absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. And we know the statistics. Like I say, it isn't like we're guessing, gee, what might happen? The answer is approximately half will be in jail in two years. So it's like, two so years, you're going to pay uh, for that. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes I just wonder who is making up this stuff. I mean, seriously, are they doing quaaludes? What's going on? I, quaaludes? I, have no I haven't well, heard that in a long... They, they, would be, they would be probably a lot more mellow if they were doing quaaludes. Quaaludes. But, uh, but, so we would, we would only hope that our that our politicians would do quaaludes. I think we would have a lot of peaceful society. But, I'm just, like, mystified. Okay, go ahead. And then when you house them in prison, you're paying enough that we could actually pay for them not to be homeless. Like, we could give them a home instead of putting right. them in prison. right. Why not? Why not stop them from going altogether? You know, right? Why not create programs where we can just sort of stop this turnstile? Well, I mean, I, th I think it goes to for-profit prisons. I mean, there's a reason that we funnel people into prisons is hmm. because it puts money into lobbyists and politicians' hands. You know, it, it's I, like I say, I have no idea who thought this would work. It's, so anyway, thank you for letting me talk about it uh, because it's a big deal in our society. I can't for the life of me. So here's a statistic. I would give you one more. On death row in the United States, eight out of ten are foster care children. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. So Holy cow. Makes totally sense. makes sense. Hey, let's stick to your projects for a second. So there was another one that I read about about you go to um, you go like a pilgrimage kind of kind of store kind of thing like an yeah. adventure, so, a Christian adventure. Oh, we want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The answer is, I uh, again, it sort of fell in my lap. I take tours of Israel and uh, Palestine, which, of course, right now is sort of a little hot. <laughs> it's a great vacation but, point uh, right now. Ah, uh, you can say that. <laughs> There's actually a guy that, that buys all his vacations around war zones and like catastrophes, so he can travel the cheapest that he possibly yeah, can. Yeah, I remember that he's guy. He's on the streets while it's just rubble everywhere, drinking his mai tais, and <laughs> yeah, well, I, well he, you know, he 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 should disaster to travel. They call it disaster travel. <laughs> yeah, so I I lead trips to Israel and uh, into parts of uh, Palestine, depending on how things are going. Right now, unfortunately, I had to cancel all my trips, uh, but totally awesome and uh, part of my uh, background educationally as I was not only a philosophy major but a history major and so oh my golly you you go there and you're looking at 
a gate that's 3,750 years old that Abraham probably walked through. I mean, it's like, what? It's only how old? 3,700 years? You know, it's like, it's like crazy stuff. And uh, it's just, for me, it's sort of like, wow. Oh, wow, this is really good. Have you ever so, seen the pyramids? No, I haven't. I've been tempted many times to go because I'd love, love to see the pyramids. However, every time I think about going, I run into somebody who's been there who says, don't go. They'll tell me, you'll love the pyramids and hate everything else. I had a yeah, cousin that went, money. and whenever he went, he took pictures of the pyramids where they looked all beautiful like you normally see on the internet. And But they also have a dump right next to the pyramids. So mm -hmm. all the trash is like floating everywhere. So like he would have to pick yeah. up trash before he took a picture of the pyramid. I, I have heard similar stories and I've heard, you know, basically it's just um, not a nice place to visit. And I love history. Mm -hmm. You know, I love, I've gone, you know, quite a few places. I've been very fortunate. I, I'm disappointed and I'll probably go anyway at some point. They, did, they basically said, if you go, go with somebody who you know, who knows the lay of the land. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the Egyptians, yeah, yeah. and they have different religious beliefs, or at least back then they did, what are some of the religions yeah. that you you dabbled in? Did you ever dabble in any other religions to like learn about it and say, okay, which one's best for me, or what do I think is right? Yeah, I didn't approach it in that uh, way, in other words, sort of in a systematic, uh, comprehensive way. Uh, I was raised in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. uh, I was not a Christian uh, for, for really all of my uh, growing up. Really? Uh, just the opposite. Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, just the opposite. I could not have been more anti-Christian, I guess is the way to say it. You think it was a rebellious, uh, rebellious phase? No. I, I, okay, I'll tell you. My mind uh, thinks in a very, very sort of cut and dry way. Mm -hmm. And so it was real simple. Is there morality? Well, is there a God? I could not think of any reason to be moral unless there was a God. Huh. Immanuel Kant says the it same makes... thing, and so does Nietzsche, uh, actually. And actually, Nietzsche is one of my favorite atheists, uh, truly the truth. I, 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 think he's, I think he's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, however, he and I came to the same conclusions, and I do not, uh, I can't fathom morality without, a, uh, without God. Uh, that one doesn't make any sense to me. And so, uh, in my critical analysis, basically, I just sort of was uh, thinking, you know, okay, so how do I want to do this thing called life? And uh, I think uh, in my case, one of the things that happened to me, Cole, was I was, uh, I was actually a pretty good baseball player, even though I'm small for baseball. Hey, same here. I'm 5'7". Yeah? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm 5'11", but as a pitcher. With the hair, that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. With the hair, I'm 6'2". <laughs> But uh, when I was 15, I could throw 85 miles an hour. And so I was sort of on the chart or just uh, interested. Truth of the matter is probably everybody knew there was no hope because I was too small. And they were right. What happened is I blew a muscle in my back, actually. Ooh. And uh, I met with the Orioles team doctor, and he said to me, some people are meant to play ball and others aren't. You're not one of them. And uh, around the same time I was in a car accident, and my, I, it really is like they say, have you guys ever been in a car accident? Minor ones. Not I've never been in a big one. Minor. Yeah, minor. <laughs> this one, the car ran a stop sign and I was in the passenger seat. It was coming right for me. And when that happened, 
I literally saw everything in slow motion. That's that's not a lie. That that when people say that it's really true. And at that moment, I really came face to face with death, mm-hmm. and it shook me. Uh, it shook me to the point where I began to re-examine everything. So is this the way that I want to live? And uh, from a critical standpoint, and even as uh, in philosophy, I, I would go assault people with this thought. My philosophy professor who taught ethics, I, I just walked up to him one day and I said, tell me why I shouldn't kill you. He's a little taken <laughs> off guard. Yeah, I think anybody would if he you know, yeah, brought it up that way. And first he said, he said, well, you know, maybe your conscience might bother you. And I looked at him and I said, conscience is a cultural construct. It has nothing to do with right and wrong. And he said, yeah, that's true. That's true. And then he said, well, uh, maybe someone will see you. And I said, that's a pragmatic argument that never establishes right and wrong. It's only wrong if I get caught and the majority of people don't get caught who are smart. And I'm pretty smart. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was watching some uh, just murder documentaries not so long ago and i noticed the underlying theme for most serial killers was that they thought they were too smart to get caught and then they got caught you know so i don't know i just found that interesting i have a theory on that cult of course i have a theory on everything uh, you know we'll we'll be here for 10 hours let's hear it uh, let's hear it let's hear it i have a theory on that and i think they get bored and i think that they need more um thrill Mm. uh and as a result of that they take more and more risk and uh so what is relatively simple not trying to <laughs> to teach people how to do murder by hey, the well, way how much what's your background here yeah <laughs> it sounds like investing in the stock market you start with stocks you start dabbling you go into options and you're just betting it all now you're in crypto you know i think they just get sloppy i think they just get sloppy. Yeah. i mean not all of them not all of them of course but i think they just yeah. start getting sloppy they're like okay i'm so good at this man maybe i can leave a arm out in the front lawn for a a day or two who's gonna notice like i think they get yeah yeah you know uh, there's just so many elite ones though that don't care that just go and murder thousands of people (laughs) all the time it's of course it's hard to tell because uh, you know it's a recent phenomenon that we're you know tracking all of this you know uh probably years ago yeah hundreds of years ago they just did it you know just killed i think they did I, i think they did so uh, I walked up to my professor and I said, that's a pragmatic argument. It doesn't establish right and wrong. It only establishes risk or reward. And he says, well, how do you know that I don't have a gun? And I said, you've used my argument. Might makes right. So please, mm. do you have anything else? See, mine, mine is like you sacrifice the ability to gain a relationship with someone. Like I like building relationships with all kinds of people, like randomly. Like I'll go to music festivals and meet 100 people that I go home and like text with and communicate with and that change my life. So if I was to just murder random people, that's one less person I can build a relationship. So that alone <laughs> is enough reason not to just randomly kill people, you know, because well, now I can't well, build a relationship with them respectfully i would disagree and i'd give you a a textbook example we had a person uh, who was a serial killer in kansas uh who has uh, had uh, many many relationships uh, his family never knew that he was a serial killer 
and an out, and an upstanding person in the community. You know, I mean, it's, it's sort of like if this is an upstanding person, what are we doing? But yeah. the 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 answer is he actually did have many relationships. Who was well, it's not that they can't have. I mean, I'm not saying that a psychopath can't have a relationship. I'm just saying that 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 is one driving factor that I wouldn't randomly just kill someone is that they have like I like I I have an ability I guess to put my own consciousness in the foot of other people and like think you know like yeah, I can brush by someone and just think forever about all the things that they do and experience and interact with and so the sympathy the empathetic empathetic reaction from that would prevent me from from ever wanting to take someone well, unless I, I was I trying to defend that, my own you know that's the yeah, only yeah I think way. that's I mean I think it's wonderful I'm glad you're not a serial killer yeah <laughs> <laughs> But the simple argument around that would be uh, uh, neurology, and it would just simply be, I have an individual brain that predisposes me to certain types of behavior, therefore. And uh, my argument with the professor was, by the time we're done, all that you've done is you've actually verified my argument unless you can find a way around it. A lot of people go to the social contract theory, which I'm adamantly against. I can't, it's, it's I, I don't what want to fraud yeah. them out. What's the social contract theory? Yeah. It's the idea that we need each other uh, for the betterment of humanity. That's what I used to think. When I took your class, I remember my thought was, well, you know, morality comes from the concept of, well, if we really want the best for society, killing each other probably isn't the way of doing it. So let's find out what works well, what doesn't work well, killing each other doesn't always work well. So let's try to keep that one on, on hold until we need it. Um, that would have been my, my well, rebuttal. That, that's an interesting point, until you need it. And so then the question, if it's pragmatic, is what benefits me most? Or to put it another way, if it in fact increases my ability to survive, then it becomes a good thing. Mm -hmm. And let me give you an example. Let's say, Stephen, not that you do, but let's say that you have a very rich uncle who's left you everything and you found the will. Wouldn't it be better for you for him to die more quickly? Again, by the time I'm done, you're going to think I'm a sociopath. As a matter of fact, my my own daughter. Too late. You're, you're already too late for that. You're, you've already crossed. Yeah, the the, the, F, the FBI is already listening to this conversation. Um, well, I, I, I would not be surprised. <laughs> anyway. See, that's, that's just one thing I've always had a problem with. I'm not, I'm not religious, and I have my, my grandparents and things are, are preachers and all this, and they run yeah. around with snakes and speaking tongues and all kinds of crazy stuff. Huh. And you know, I've just never got that whole you know needing someone looking over your shoulder to do good things. Like you, I I want to do good things because i like to you know not, and not necessarily that i do good things but i don't necessarily go around doing bad things because i don't you know i don't know i i don't need someone telling me all the time or look or know to know that someone's watching me like you know uh this all-knowing being to do good things i could just just do them you know this isn't know. merely a question of surveillance it's a question of how do we define it and so if morality begins with me or my brain then it would be logical i'll say it this way that there not be any extension at all. In other words, if we have individual brains, then morality would be individualized. And even if we come together in a contract, the contract only lasts as long as I want it to. And the best example of that is the speed limit. The speed limit is a social contract. We are told, here's what society wants. You should drive 55. I'm going to tell you, no one hardly at all drives 55. And in and fact, so, if you do, you're getting ran over. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So everybody invalidates the contract because it's individually appropriated best on, based upon my desire. In other words, I decide what the contract says. I decide what's binding. And if morality begins with me and is tailored by me, then in fact, it merely is nothing more than a emotional, I like Mountain Dew. <laughs> okay. So is that what you think about when you look at a speed limit sign? Not anymore. When I look at, when I look at a speed limit sign and things like that and people going past it at 75, you know, I think that this is more a tool of, of authority to selectively pull over anybody that they want to without without bias and without probable cause that's that's what that's what i see when i see, I see that that oh, is okay. that is more okay. systematic um uh, uh repression systemic of our society <laughs> yeah systemic yeah, yeah. um control yeah okay but we could use <laughs> numerous examples we could use income tax as an example and okay. again that's just sort of like people do what they want and what is their only rationale for paying income tax? I'm going to say, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But 90% of the people, the only reason they would do it is my because motivation. of fear they get caught. That's my motivation. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no one would pay income tax. And in fact, everyone cheats on their on their taxes in probably some level or way. It or, makes... and it, and in, fact, in fact, it's a parody that everyone cheats on their taxes. I mean, it's one of those things like speeding. Like everybody speeds, everybody cheats on their taxes. Not that I, like I think that it mostly that you don't cheat on your taxes and no one knows how to freaking do their taxes. And they made it this amazingly complicated. Yeah, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give Yeah, you're punishing the so, government for its, for its obstinacy. And I pay <laughs> for the maximum protection through those agencies like if i get audited you're you see on you you're, you're the one i don't know what i'm doing over here i'm just clicking buttons so, on the internet so, so all, all the way back to cole's question i was quite systematic in my approach and trying to think it all through um and i was a philosophy major so truthfully that helped a great deal when i went into philosophy a lot of my christian friends said you're going to lose your faith and you should run because you know they ask really hard questions I was like, why would I, why would I lose my faith because I asked hard questions? And I thought to myself, frankly, if I'm going to lose my faith, I'd actually sort of like to lose it early. Yeah, let's, let's, let's ask those questions right up front. Yeah. You chose Christianity for more of like a moral rule book. So somebody else, some uh, yeah, omnipresent God no. could hold the actual yeah. contract. So that's your reasoning behind yeah. it. Not so much that... Oh, I agree with everything Christianity says, or everything in the Bible says. It's more of for you. I have to be good because of this person will be the rule breaker. Yeah, no, not really. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll say it a different way. Uh, this whetted my appetite to investigate. Okay. In other words, the cerebral aspect created uh, a question and quandary for me. Is there any reason that I should do good? Is there any logical reason for me to help other people other than an emotive reason, which did not appeal to me? So, and is there anything out there, or in the words of like Einstein, the most incomprehensible thing he says to me is that the world is comprehensible. And so I began to sort of think along these lines, and it took me months of thinking about all of this before I came to the decision that I really did believe that there is something instead of nothing, uh, or to put it another way, that the order in the universe 
and I and I love to talk about this discussion because there's been a lot of not so good. How should I say? I think not good thinking on this. Uh, the order in the universe, and not just our world, the universe was compelling. And uh, this is the pathway that also a number of people who have become Christians uh, recently, uh, who are PhDs, uh, have taken. For example, uh, Alistair McGrath, a biochemistry PhD, and became a Christian. He's famous for the statement, a little bit of science will make you an atheist. A lot of science will make you a theologian. And so also, uh, one of the interesting ones, Alfred North Whitehead, is from the Vienna Circle of Philosophy, an analytic philosophy and so he comes to faith as a result of mathematics and he just says that the math is overwhelming and Francis Collins a head of NIH is another one I don't know if you know Francis from decoding the uh, genetic from genetics but he was raised in a anti-christian home I think that'd be the way to say it religion is stupid okay he's raised in an anti-christian home and so it was really through him looking at biology that moved him to an understanding of complexity which boggled the imagination and so he wrote a book called the language of god talking about dna well let me ask you this if you got a if you got a different genetic dice roll let's you know say doing it all again you got a different genetic dice roll and you were born into a muslim family like heart you know religious and and all this do you think you would you would you would have been a muslim and right and you would you know be practicing in that faith Oh, I agree with you. I think, yeah, I think that our context creates the, the, the ground for our questions. And so the answer to your question is, if I was born into a Muslim family, I would probably uh, think as a Muslim. I don't, don't doubt that at all. I don't doubt the power of culture. I don't, I don't doubt that. However, at a certain point, as one becomes uh, aware as to what the questions are and what the uh, options are, I think at that point, uh, I'm not sure that I would, I'll put it another way. I'm not a Muslim, so it'd be hard for me to, I'm trying to be nice about this. I I could not be a Muslim based upon uh, the history. Well, let's just say the history of it all. Okay, so The more I became aware of it. I I have a question. Since you said, actually, I had two things. Uh, You said that you couldn't become a Muslim because of the history. And that got me thinking, yeah. well, what about the Crusades? What about all the yeah, things the Catholic Church had done, yeah. pillaging oh, I, through yeah, all these right. different things? Please, the Native please. Americans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, yeah, of course, I would never think of the people killing Native Americans or even the Muslims as understanding their faith. And that's the distinction I would make, Cole, to your answer. There's a big difference between Jesus going around saying, love your neighbor as yourself, and Muhammad drawing a sword and quartering people and raising an army to conquer nations. It's act But that would not invalidate Christ. You were talking about a geneticist. Uh, I'm not, I, didn't, I, didn't yeah. get, I didn't get his name. I'm sorry, I was too lazy. I was listening Francis to your overall. You said Francis who? Francis Collins. Okay, Francis Collins. He was talking about DNA and that how DNA yeah. brought him back to, uh, you know, God being there. I yeah. ha- I've taken many classes in genetics. I've done cancer research. I came up with this question looking at DNA, you know, and I'm sure. not a religious guy. I said, if God, if this is truly God's language, like you said, our DNA is a yeah. form of God's language, 
if God truly made us, then why wouldn't he understand our flaws and not allow us into heaven? If he truly made us, he should understand the faults. If he was truly the engineer, he should understand that, well, humans can't do this well under pressure. Or, you know, like a structural engineer, right? Yeah, yeah. They know yeah. there's a well, limit yeah. to where this metal can bend or break. If that no, I sense. agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I, I would say I think he does. And there's, there's lots of scriptures that actually talk about uh, God knowing how frail we are, and we're like dust in the wind, and thanks to quote a Kansas song, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I think he does actually, and as a matter of fact, uh, I have great hope in that <laughs> because I'm sort of like, gosh, if God loves me, then you know there's a lot of hope for a lot of people, and uh, I, I I do think he understands our flaws, and as a matter of fact, uh, I would say that that uh, even getting into a deeper area like with suffering and things like that i think that uh, the process itself has some value however uh, i would never say that in fact that we're created perfect i think that we're, we're created in all honesty i think you know when you ask the question well how could a good god create that you're basically asking forgive me for getting into philosophy but you're asking how can imperfection come from perfection and the answer is it can't unless it is a process which ends in perfection. So kind of like a lot of dev Apple de or developers today in operation software, it's not a bug, it's a feature. So where do we submit bug reports? To prepare for this podcast. God is I, okay I, I, with being bugged. <laughs> <laughs> He's okay with the bugs. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a feature, not a bug. Um, prepare for this. I read some stats because I, I am not religious. I mean, I'll just say that. And I think most people that know me probably know that I'm not religious. Not that I have anything like Cole said. I'm not against religion. Like, I just don't. I've always been like, I can, it's like laughable to me that I'm just like, wow, that I don't get it. You know, like, it just doesn't even register for yeah. me why someone would want to do it. But not to bash it at all. It's cool. And you're, you know, you're a very interesting guy. And uh, so it, it seems like it's oh, a cool passion. But so, so prepare for this. I read some statistics and stuff just to kind of understand because I, I feel like religion's probably probably on the decline and, and, you know, kind of read PRI and through most religious um, de denominations, you know, we're seeing a decline, except for religions like Mormonism, you know, that that one's actually grown <laughs> amongst all of the Christian religions. And then, you know, so I read yeah. some things about, you know, there's more um, like it's more popular amongst poor and un uneducated, more popular amongst Republicans and people that seemingly have degrees and all this and they're educated and, and that vote Democrat. They're, they're not religious. Why? Why? What is that about? Yeah. Maybe you can explain, so explain uh, uh, or set me yeah, right it's, on it's that. A, it's, a, it's a very, very good question. Uh, and I would say that uh, part of it uh, would also be even more frightening if you'd have done this survey in 1730 because <laughs> what we know yeah and what and, 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 and uh, what we know of the american colonies is that it was a cesspool american colonies were an absolute cesspool uh were there some nice people sure but they're the exception i mean we're talking well i mean we're we literally started america to break away from religion so we could have our own religious yeah. thought i'm gonna say to that sean that's a misnomer and only true for a couple of colonies okay the majority okay. of colonies are in it for money okay money yeah well it's all money is so, always the overriding factor in anything i mean that's and i think that's why i see a lot of religions well, as a veil for money 
yeah, but of course that's just certainly not true for you know Mother Teresa. I mean the people that work. With oh, me there's the abs- you can't say it. nothing is in is in absolutes. I mean nothing. You, you're yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. an example sure. of charity work, and there's obviously great things. And that's what I was talking to Coley about the other day. I love a lot of the things that religion do, like like tra- yeah. missionary work and traveling and youth, you know, uh, care and all these things, all these cool things. It's just the whole God thing. It's like what? <laughs> that's that's just yeah, well. See, um, see, for me, I worked at just the opposite, uh, Sean. I was sort of like came to the conclusion none of this makes any sense at all unless there is a God. And I actually came to the conclusion going, how can I possibly explain all of this? And and one of the funnier statements, just to give an example, because, of course, this is my area. I have to study on it. I remember hearing Daniel Dennett when interviewed about the origin of the universe saying, the most logical explanation is that the universe just appeared. I thought to myself, yeah, I was walking the other day and a universe appeared. <laughs> it's like, no, that is not a logical explanation in any way. I'm going to give credit to Stephen Hawkins here. In his book, Brief History of Time, he says that if, in fact, if we can't solve the time curvature, the most logical answer is that there's a God. David Hume actually said this, too. I don't know if you uh, have uh, familiar with Hume that much. Hume says this. I have never said that the, that the earth is uncaused. Nothing could be farther from my thinking. Did he believe in God? No. But he left it as an open question because it was evident to him that there was, in fact, causality. And I think one of the things that comes up for me is I think it's very hard to explain. And I sometimes do this when I'm walking into a room to make a point. I'll ask the question, how did all these chairs get here? And people say, well, somebody brought them in, what have you. And I usually say, no, they just fell out of the sky, and they fell in perfect order. That, for me, takes more faith than to believe that there's an orderer. And so that's, that's where I begin in my uh, presuppositions, I guess is the way to say it. It takes more faith for me to believe. Here, I'll give you another way. One of Nietzsche's interesting comments about all of this is he says, the thing that bothers me is there's not as much chaos. And here we might think of the adaptation of the species and things across the entire universe. Why are things not more chaotic? Mm. And his point is, if in fact everything is chaotic, there is no ordering, and it orders itself, then why are we not seeing more evidence of that? And I think that that's on. This is what uh, the uh, philosopher uh, Whitehead said himself. He's an atheist. And because he's a mathematician, he goes, there's just too much math in the universe. Even Francis Crick, since we're talking genetics. You're familiar with Crick? Yeah, Crick and uh, Watson and Crick. Yes. Yeah. Very I have familiar. one right here. Crick says this about panspermia. He says, now, of course, of course, this didn't just sort of all develop by itself. No, that's, that's, no, of course not. And so when asked, well, then you believe in God. He said, No. I believe in, I believe in other life. I believe that there's extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. Now he's right, I think. So my you, point would be, we, we have a topic on aliens. We want to talk. About yeah, we have so. a topic on aliens that we're going to bring up in a minute. Uh, but, but it's an alien conversation. But go ahead. Hey, let me ask a question before before you ask about aliens. Or is that what you're asking next? No, no. I, I was going to ask about. Uh, he mentioned we can't figure out time curvature, and I didn't quite understand what you meant by that. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because yeah, what I mean, 
Of course, uh, you're you're aware there's a tremendous of debate about Hawkins' ideas and uh, the curvature of time. You're, you're familiar with what I'm talking about with curvature of time? Um, are you talking about the curvature of space-time and that how, depending on the mass Correct. in space, uh, that bends? That's more, um, not so much Hawking, more Einstein, isn't it? No, uh, Hawking is uh, absolutely um, talking about that. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, no yeah. Thing. He was building off of Einstein's uh, theory. Yeah, so you, you probably know as well as I do. You know, he first be, uh, uh, receives acclaim as a result of singularity, the concept of singularity. Yeah. And he and, he and Penrose basically said, look, all the data is going back to a single point. We're talking singularity. Mm-hmm. After he did that, he said, you know, look, I, I, I'm not lying to you. Look, this, you're, you're, you're with, and he says these words, we are at a metaphysical impasse unless we can figure out a way around this, basically. And what he means by that is we're looking at something beyond the universe if we're talking about the creation of the universe starting at a single point. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we could talk about this a tremendous amount. I love it. Astrophysics is one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Uh, to read about. And uh, he um, believed that the solution, I guess is the way to say it, is the curvature of the space-time continuum. Yeah, so current theories are that uh, black holes are just a one singular point that is just so massive in weight. It's basically taking the sun and then putting in the space of a, a basketball. That That mass is just absolutely huge. Um, and you're right. I don't think we're going to find out what a black hole truly is until we're able to navigate the event horizon and the event horizon for people that are listening that don't know about it is a certain point, whenever you're getting close to a black hole that you just get sucked in light can no longer pass through. It's just a certain point that not even nothing can leave and or come. Uh, but we actually found out that wasn't true. Believe it or not, there's yes. a thing called yes. Hawking's radiation. Have you heard of Hawking's yes, radiation? Yes. What do you think yes. about that? Because there are well, stuff coming out of uh, black holes that we know of. It's called Hawking's yeah, radiation. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Okay, there's lots of things to say. <laughs> okay. Number one, we're in the infancy of understanding black holes. It's like a black hole. Okay, sorry. That's true. Okay. I mean, that's, uh, we, have, we don't know where a we're, lot of the mass of our universe comes from. Right, exactly. We don't understand dark matter. It's a dark matter, I'm sure. But anyway, we don't understand dark matter that much. So a lot of the things that we're thinking about right now, and I'm not trying to sound uh, defeatist, because uh, I, I love this area. I love uh, looking into it, thinking about it, talking about it. Uh, I think we're in such an infancy. Uh, I'm not sure that anything we say will have any relevance at all. And a good example of this is is quantum mechanics and gravity itself. It used to be thought gravity is a principle that cannot be superseded. It cannot be compromised. It is an absolute of the universe. And quantum mechanics prove that to be incorrect. And so I, I think that we're in such an infancy, it's hard to say, truthfully, what a black hole is. What I'm sure of, from a theoretical standpoint, and here's the only thing that I feel comfortable in saying, basically, about black holes is that in fact uh, absolute nothing is a contradiction in terms and the philosopher who said that it was Martin Heidegger Heidegger said all nothing is something that uh, absolute nothing is not knowable nor can it be known and so 
from a philosophical standpoint, I think that when by the time we end up, we're going to find all nothing is something. Or to put it another way, anything within the universe is within the universe. Not to sound pathological or redundant, but I, I think that's probably true. Did the universe begin out of a black hole? That would be impossible in my mind to say because the black hole's in the universe. So you don't subscribe to the mini-universe theory via black holes. So every black hole is another universe. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. And, and why don't I? It's because uh, this is a theory. Again, we're trying to get to an infinite through a finite. And so it would seem very, very strange to me that we could do that. Well, there are different infinities are larger than others. So there's infinities that are larger yeah, than see, other infinities. Well, that's where I, I, I would disagree. I think that that is uh, not true. I okay. think there's a difference. Yeah, I, I, and I, I totally disagree with that. I'm not trying to sound emphatic. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I brought I brought you on here to challenge what I have to say, and you ask me hard questions too, because I I feel yeah. that you don't learn unless somebody really challenges you, and I don't think, I think that I, I most people today get on the internet and start hating at each other. I don't think I think what we're yeah. having here is a very very uh, constructive peaceful discourse, and peaceful you know? conversation. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really enjoying yeah, people, this. People get upset like crazy quick, you know. Wait for and, the comment section. Well, yeah, and if I if I don't drink more Mountain Dew, I'm sure I'll be amenable. <laughs> yeah, the concept. So I'll, I'll do quickly on that. I think that the concept of infinity and the different types of infinity is uh, inaccurate. I guess that's the way to say what about it. Myth and as well? correct. Yes, and. Uh, I think there's a difference between, uh, and are you familiar with Zeno's paradox? Uh, maybe not the name, but maybe I'm familiar with the yeah. concept. Okay. Can you explain it? This was a trick that a Greek philosopher played on people. Um, and what he said is, I want you to go the entire length of, we'll use a football field for an example, a whole soccer field, football field. Okay. And he says, but before you go the whole way, you got to go half. Before you go half, you got to do another half. Before you do another half, you got to do another half. And by the time we're done, you can't possibly travel at all because in order to do that, you'd have to go halfway. In order to go halfway, you could never begin. And so it was the reverse to be an concept of radioactive half-life. Yeah, yeah, good. So it's it's it was thought to be an unsolvable uh, paradox. Um, it, it it is an unsolvable because what's occurring here is that the belief in infinity is basically saying that if we have everything. That we will never stop if we keep having things. But what occurs is there's a metamorphosis, metaphysically, from a finite to an infinite. And so by having finites, we get an infinite. And I'm just going to say I think that's inaccurate. I don't think that that's possible. Okay. Let me put it another way. Where you begin is where you end. If you begin in finitude, you end in finitude. Okay, that's interesting. Nothing is forever, huh? Where were you before you were born? Let me ask you that. <laughs> you know, my daughter actually asked me this question when we, she was sick. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a funny story. She was uh, she was a pre-med uh, student and a uh, bright, bright young lady. But anyway, a funny story. I get a call from the... I was a pastor for 19 years. Get a call from the Sunday school director. She, she says, Dr. Davis, I need you to talk to one of the kids in our church. I said, oh, sure, what, what, what do you want? And she said, she believes she's pre-existent. I said, really? I said, who is this child? And she said, it's your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so That's I funny. went to tuck her in good night. We'd have this ritual. I would sing to her. I would pray with her. I would kiss her on the forehead, and I'd say good night. And just as I, would, I was done, I said, 
listen, I, I understand that you believe you've always existed. And she's so cute. She's six and just as obstinate as her dad. I'm going to say that. Okay. And she goes, yes, that's correct. <laughs> and I said, I was there when you were born. Why do you think that you've always existed? Now, she's a smart cookie. She said, because there's a God. And if God knew that I would exist, I existed in the mind of God before I was born. I existed in the mind of God. I have always existed. Oh, this is six years old. She's, with she's, a, she's a smart cookie. Let's, let's just say she's smart. Okay. So I said, well, that makes perfect sense. I said, but I do not agree with you because there's a difference between actuality and potentiality. And she says, you're not God. How would you know? <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I couldn't convince her. I couldn't convince her to tell you. This. Does she still she believe that? No, she doesn't. But it was a very sharp argument. And at the end, she she said, we'll just have to agree to disagree. So so your six-year-old basically had you going, shit, my degree. And it's come to nothing. nothing. Like this this little kid, I will tell you, she was a lot of fun to watch arguing with other people. She was a lot of fun. So, anyway, so separate from the separate from the explain it to me like I'm a six year old answer. What's the what's your what's the legitimate you know what do you think? I mean, is it just something you just ignore and move on with your life, or you know what? Oh, where, never. where were you? Yeah, the, the answer to that question <laughs> is never. <laughs> and my wife will sometimes say to me, "What are you doing?" And I'll say, "Thinking." <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, never, never, no, 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 no. Just I, something I you constant ponder. Just it's just one of those open ended. You know, oh, there's things. lots of, which is one of the reasons, frankly, I like reading the astrophysics because I think it's very interesting. I think it's fascinating stuff. It's actually built my faith up uh, as opposed to, te- again, like many things, instead of tearing it down, just the opposite occurred. And I came to many of the conclusions, uh, frankly, that others have come to too uh, in astrophysics. Uh, physics. Uh, Robert Jastro wrote a book on this and said, uh, you know, we've been searching the universe and uh, it... Uh, we're, we have some hard questions to ask because we have to come up with a way around the singularity or otherwise we got to say there's something that created this place. And so uh, the, all of the concepts, are you familiar with the Lincolns since you know astrophysics? Uh, Lincolns, no, no. The Lincoln, the Lincoln, Russian. Uh, no, no, not right off the top of my head, but maybe I've heard about his stuff. Yeah, he did an address at Stephen Hawking's birthday and which he said the one thing that we know for sure is that we have absolutely nothing that we can prove that creates anything other than singularity. Now, he said that as Stephen's birthday, in spite of the fact that, you know, Stephen's saying, yeah, look, we got it. But what everybody knew is that this was a theoretical attempt, and it's a good one. I'm, I'm not poo-pooing it in any way, shape, or form. But there is this idea that one has to accept what is unempirical. And uh, here... Uh, mathematics becomes metaphysical or another branch of philosophy. So d- does Christianity support, or should Christianity support the, the Big Bang Theory? Yes, they should. But meanwhile, it's, I mean, for, for pretty much all of my life, all of my life, um, it's been like heresy. Uh, I think it's got a lot going for us. Number one, uh, uh, I, I sometimes jokingly say this, a little group of runaway slaves come up, came up with the most profound idea anyone's ever expressed. That time, matter, and space are finite, and they had a beginning. And that is true. 
There were not any other cultures during the time of that little Jewish group that ran away from Pharaoh that came up with an idea that time, matter, and space had a beginning. Everybody else is in cyclical time. They're all believing it's all just a big circle. We all go, what comes around goes around. You know, this is a big circle. They're all believing that. The Egyptians, all of them are believing in the circle. The Greeks come pretty close, frankly. We have a number of thinkers that come pretty close in Greek thought, but no one else, no one else. And, and frankly, we think that the Greek thinkers are after uh, Moses at this point. So they come up with this great idea, and it's an accurate idea. I think that we've proven that time, matter, and space are finite. And uh, again, uh, this is, you know, you're, you're familiar with the fudge factor with Einstein? Uh, no, sir. Can you explain it? Or just give me yeah. an idea on it? Yeah. He liked fudge, and he would bake it off. No, I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> so... Where I was going. It's a I tell people it's biological. There's nothing I can do. Anyway, prior to Einstein, of course, this is the general theory of relativity. Prior yeah. to him, people were believing that in fact that the universe is an etern is eternal, and so it is Einstein's thought that sends that reeling. And what occurs? He realized that the math that he was doing to support the idea uh, really didn't work. And in fact, he was sort of just tricking people with his mathematics. And so he realized it, and it bothered him. In the history of the world, Einstein was bothered by the fact that he knew the math wouldn't work. And so he had to come up with another way of doing it, which is the general theory of relativity. And what does he do? He begins with the premise that, in fact, the world has a beginning, and the time itself is finite in and of itself. I never so, heard of that. I heard that he was working on multiple equations over and over and over again, and they would yeah. all come out wrong. Uh, and then he finally went back to this one that he's very, he started with in the very beginning, which is E equals MC squared, because he thought it was preposterous, and he came back to it. Is that what you're referring to? No. Well, yes and no. Okay, yes, you're right. He struggles with it, tries to work it all through. Of course, he's, uh, like all physicists, he's struggling the whole time he's alive to mm -hmm. think of these things. That's a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, but um, he begins when his early work does not begin. He begins with a static universe. And so it isn't until he does the math, and what's called it's called the fudge factor, where he goes, uh, "I'm fudging this a little bit. I got, I got I have to, I have to come clean on this." And what occurs is reworks it till he gets to EM uh, uh, the theory of relativity. And so originally he was not thinking that way because that was the norm. That was what people thought. People still think that, by the way. So I, I mean, I'm not incredulous, but I think people still believe in a eternal universe uh which just is not possible what do you what do you think is going to be the uh, the end of the universe as far as physics go do you think there's a like the, i've heard that that it's a, it's a rubber band it expands and it collapses itself do you think there is an end of the universe well before he answers that i would like to answer it i think it's going to be Oops. in a deep freeze because it, we're seeing that the universe isn't slowing down it's just moving further and further apart correct so it's, it's accelerating yeah it's accelerating from each other. So yeah. if you look at any point in the sky, you'll see that it's it's moving away. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's true. just going to be a big freeze. Do you agree on that? Well, I think the general theory is heat death. Uh, but um, my first thought, I usually say, is I won't be here. <laughs> yeah, that Let is true. Know. That is true. That is true. <laughs> I got much more know. more close problems to deal with. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, you're you're right. Sean, I think there's much 
<laughs> more pressing problems. <laughs> even even uh, chemically, uh, biologically, for our world. I mean, you know, if if we're if we're here. Uh, if we're here 500 years from now, that, I'd be surprised. Uh, I hate to sound pessimistic. <laughs> so you're talking right about humanity as a whole, or just us? Like, uh, in the conversation, or you think humanity? Our biosphere. Really? Interesting. You think we have 500 years left? Uh, I don't think we have that much, really. So you're, all right, i got to hear a little bit more about this. What, uh, what leads it? Well, I, I, well, lots of things, unfortunately. I, you know, I'm going to get everybody depressed here. <laughs> no, no, no. Talk about it. I'm very optimistic. I mean, we have to pass a great filter. I'm not sure really? if you... Uh, I, I see it as a challenge. That's, well, that's it's a challenge. I agree with you. My first thought is... I'm sad to say that I think it's very easy for a nuclear holocaust. I can agree. I'm sorry. I think that's very easy. A simple but way to say... But total eradication of all humanity is, is pretty far-fetched, I think. There would be pockets of, of survival, you know, a, a total global eradication, unless we absolutely made the planet unlivable. But, but there's bunkers underneath the ground. People are going to get in there. You know, Elon Musk and uh, his group are going to be in a starship. <laughs> <off>. Right. <laughs> you're, you're right, Sean. I think the two the richest reason... people in the world are preparing rockets to leave the planet. What's that tell you? <laughs> right. Yes. They might know something. Yes, Sean. Yes, Sean. I think that's accurate. Uh, I, and, and I hate to be pessimistic, but uh, I think that having so much firepower to be able to destroy each other, uh, there's just so many chances for it to occur. I mean, look at the United States history. Cuba. Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. I mean, we're this close. And have you all read about uh, the war games during the Reagan administration that Russia mistook as a actual attack? I mean, we've actually dropped nuclear bombs on U.S. soil, and by a a, a hairpin, like a very thin sensor malfunctioning, oh did that yeah, not go off and destroy yeah, like yeah. most of the eastern United States. I don't remember. About yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not very public. No, <laughs> it's not very public. Didn't it land in North Carolina? What happened? Didn't yeah, it? North Carolina. Didn't and oh. they were they were flying like yeah. sodium iodide crystals around to find them. I mean, they, that's they've yeah. done that for whenever a source goes missing and all that. But frightening stuff, really frightening stuff. And what most people probably don't want to think about or know is, you no, know, it isn't like we're just talking about being able to shoot stuff from Russia or China. There's submarines off our coast, fully armed with nuclear weapons. And so the airplanes themselves are flying around constantly. I mean, I, I don't wish to sound pessimistic, but uh, I would be surprised if we're here 500 years from now. I'm hoping that we have enough sense to make it a few years. Okay. <laughs> do you, but do you think we'll end up on Mars? Yes. Or, uh, yeah. So, okay, here, here's, here's a good question for you. Um, I, I don't think I initially posed this as, as, a, as a topic but or even a you know, question, uh, but sure. it, I believe it's in the book of Revelation. It talks about a new heaven and a new earth, right? First, I mean, I wonder that myself. I know where you're right. Uh, I mean, we we are working very hard to get to Mars, um, and there's there's a lot of reasons that we can get there. And I, I don't know how if it's it's if it's sustainable for a very long time, hundreds of years, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years that we could be on Mars. But I mean, it, it points to the the thought of what is this new Earth? What does that mean? Were were they smart enough back in the day to think of you know means to get off of this planet and like? I want to hear some uh, some input on that too. That'd be, be interesting. no. I don't think they were smart enough to answer very quickly your question. Do I believe that there might be something to it anyway? Yes, because I believe in God. I believe that there can be the possibility of revelation of beyond. Or to put it another way, it's one of the reasons that I do believe in God is that I think that in fact we do have instances of revelation that transcends our ability to know, even though it comes through human beings 
Or to put it another way, through does not mean from. And so the fact that it goes through humans does not necessarily mean it's from humans. So, so do I think that, that there may be something there that actually is predicting uh, not a good outcome for our Earth? I don't know. I mean, I've, many people say, oh, it's just symbolic. If we all get blown to smithereens, I'll say it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the typical Midwest religious person that I've met, met throughout my entire life. So what, what is your denomination? Uh, I, I'm Assembly of God. And so I am a Pentecostal. I do speak in tongues. I do pray okay. for healing. Uh, all of that. Do I handle snakes? No. Do I handle snakes? I'd prefer them to never see me. <laughs> <laughs> Do I I'm sorry I said all that crazy stuff at the beginning because that's, that's no I, I don't take any offensive don't take any offense at all Sean do yeah, I believe sure in the yeah absolutely I do believe, believe in, in ghosts I have a different theory on what a ghost is uh, I don't okay. really believe they're a disemboweled spirit uh, I believe that since angels can appear as humans it would make sense that evil spirits could do so too and I do believe there are such a thing as evil spirits too. I believe that we live in a spiritual world beyond our ability to see. So you think there's like different type, like classes or types of ghosts and friendly yeah, ghosts? I do. Ghosts I do. And yeah. And as a matter of fact, to go even further on a limb here, I think that some of the sightings that we have of aliens are actually uh, beings that are, in fact, angelic in themselves. I am so, so glad that are, we brought this up. People, so these are people that didn't get into heaven or hell? They're stuck in between? or. Whoa. Like, no, it's it's no different than uh, to to answer your question. If you ask me, is there different species on Earth? Yeah, there's different species. Are there different species of spiritual beings? Yeah, be the same thing. In other words, I'm not a gopher or a frog. There's different uh, different species within the, within the spiritual realm too. So, do you believe that different, like a Buddhist, can have a different spirit being than a Christian? Yeah, um, I do not believe in what's called the problem of the one in the many. Uh, Plato's illustration about this. In other words, I don't think that truth is subjective. Otherwise, it would not be able to be anything but that. So there's only one correct religion? In all these religions, there's only one? Yeah, I I am saying that. I'm saying that, in fact, that I believe that there has to be a a center or an absolute frame of reference. Or to put it another way, uh, it's possible that we can both be wrong, but we can't both be right on opposing viewpoints. To use the logical analogy, A cannot equal non-A. So I believe that the fingerprints of God are on all culture. Sure, we, absolutely. I believe that God's so fingerprints. So what happens? So, so so if one religion's right, and you and yeah. all these people are re- practicing the wrong religion, do these people not get into heaven? Like, I mean, you're God's lawyer, so I mean, are these people not getting in, or they were all just going to yeah. be? disembodied spirits yeah, let's 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 use a math analogy and uh, since i like math let's do that okay when you were taking algebra or trigonometry or whatever it was you might have had this experience i don't know if you did but you might have thought you got the answer right and you got your paper back and there's these red markings on it <laughs> maybe that didn't happen to you <laughs> but when the professor gets up and he says you know, look, you did a very good job. You tried very hard, except that was not the right answer. And so if you're asking me, do I believe that there's a correct answer? Of course, otherwise there's no answer. In other words, it's the same as mathematics and trigonometry. If you're saying to me that every answer is equal, 
Well, then there's no such thing as trigonometry. Well, we're not saying every answer is equal. We're not saying every answer is equal, but do you believe that every person goes to hell because they just were bad at math? Okay, well, that's a different question, though. That's a different question. And so your question is more, what happens to people who don't believe? I believe that everybody is is going to come before God and will answer based upon the knowledge that they have. In other words, I don't believe that God's going to send people to hell that don't know anything about him. So, I believe so it's going to be that every person, more... when they die, they have to debate to get into heaven first? Like, well, here's what, okay, hold on, God. Let me explain myself first. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not in any way, Sean, not in any way. As a matter of fact, I don't think there'll be any debate at all. I think there will be a realization of what we actually know and don't know. In other words, if you say to me, Dr. Davis, do you know it's wrong to steal? Yeah, I think I do. Okay. Well, why did you steal? Because uh, I wanted it. And so I don't think that there's going to be a debate in any way, shape, or form, Stephen. I think what will occur is when we come before God, there will be a deeper revelation of ourselves so that we can see ourselves more clearly past the blinders that we have put upon ourselves for whatever reason. Now, I can't tell you that, in fact, Who's done what? Okay, and and here the scriptures are very clear. Don't judge other people. That's up to God. You let God do that. Okay? Why? Because we do not have enough. We do not have enough comprehensive knowledge to make that call. Now I can't go the other direction though. And here's here's where my uh, logical brain goes. Not that the people aren't logical, but uh, for me, I'm saying this would be impossible for me. If you said to me, like we were talking about coal, well, basically all religions are the same. Uh, I, I think that's not even possible. That's not logically possible. You mentioned aliens. We never really got to get into it. And it's becoming a part of our, our podcast to cover aliens this time. For it's, some reason, aliens come up more. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. All right. I'm not trying to get, I'm not, I'm not the person I that's agree. like, it's not, I'm not a person that's like, woo, 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 where aliens are here. They're probing every single person at Thursday at night. I'm not that guy. I, I look yeah. at it, uh, I, I mean... Actually, how do you know that I'm not an alien? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, so, like, I've had an email or two with Elon Musk, so I'm pretty sure. Uh, I know, I, I've talked to a couple. Um, <laughs> I got, I got, I'm just joking. Go ahead. No, I, I was joking, too. Yeah, anyway, what are your feelings on aliens? So you mentioned that, so you saw the Tic Tac video. You saw... Uh, I'm hoping maybe... Did you see the Tic Tac video? Well, he didn't say the Tic Tac video. He said that like these UFO sightings were angelic, right? So I wanted to probe a little bit deeper. It's interesting um, that you use this word probing with the word alien in the same sentence. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a go past ahead. experience. I'm sorry. <laughs> so go, go ahead. I've always thought if God truly made the Earth, right, he would be alien by... by like. It, from that definition alone, because By an alien, definition, he would be an alien. He would be an alien, <laughs> right? Because he's not from Earth if he created it. Yeah. Depending on what you mean by alien, I will, I will, I will disagree. Okay. Depending on what you mean. Okay. okay. Can you can not you can you can you clarify? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, Stephen actually reminded me of this illustration that I do in my class. I step into a trash can, and uh, I say. Uh, God is not confined, and the creator of the box cannot be bound by the box, or the trash can in this case. And so as I step in with one leg, I simply say it this way. If there is a God, then in fact, God must be a part of our world in order for our world to have any meaning at all. 
And in fact, the world cannot subsume or consume or in fact uh, box God in. You're basically talking about different dimensions at that point, right? Well, let's not go there yet. That's another dimension. It's another dimension of the discussion. Anyway, so my point in this is that God must be both if there is a God. There must be a God who precedes and is not confined by nor limited or defined by his creation. Or to put it another way, the creator of the box cannot be bound or defined by the box. Now, the deeper level is, is God in creation? And I would answer with a phrase which I call pervasive omnipresence. But in fact, everything is connected to God and it cannot exist without that connection because he is the, how shall we say, the impetus uh, in, it, in the whole thing. And that that impetus is what in fact brings everything together. And here I'm getting really, really out there on a subatomic level. Mm-hmm. Continue. That's it. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> so I know you thought I was brighter, but I'm not. Do you believe that there are other life forms that maybe God had created? Yes, I do. Sure. Absolutely. It, what, yeah, what, is, but... what is the reasoning behind that? Is it the scripture, or is it the mathematics of how many galaxies that we already know well, out there? It's... No, it's not that, because that's not really a good argument in and of itself. Uh, the probability argument is a horrible argument in logic. Uh, and I hear it all the time. It's just a horrible argument. Probability doesn't change so far as the number of times that we do something. If we have a 52-card deck, and I deal you with 52 cards, each time I use that deck, it has 52, one out of 52 chance that you get the ace of spades. That doesn't change if I do it 10,000 times. Anyway, that's a little, little uh, off the topic. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, the, uh, your question is, uh, why would I believe this? And two reasons. Number one, I really think that some of the things that are out there are are legitimate. I think that there are some things that appear to uh, the uh, casual observer. And granted, you know, there's all sorts of conspiratorial theories, you know, and and I can even believe some of them. But I think that some of the things that we have seen demonstrates that there is, in fact, life outside of our universe. The difference between me and probably most people is I have a name for that. And I think they're celestial beings and that there could be untold numbers of them that we have no knowledge of even. Mm. But I would still believe that they are created beings and that in fact that they function, uh, how shall we say, uh, in this universe as a created being and not an independent being. Interesting. Okay. What's the, I'm trying my best. What's the gender of God? <laughs> he doesn't have one. Okay. So no sexual organs. He doesn't reproduce asexually. No, no, not what are, at all. What are God's pronouns? Yeah, well, now this is a different <laughs> question. And you're, and you're like, well, we primarily call the God he. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely. Right. I mean, seen pretty much every time in the, in the scripture he's mentioned as God the Father. Right. Right? I, I agree with you that that is the pronoun that is used with God. But if you're asking me, is God male or female? No. Why? Because even the scriptures teach this. But in the image of God, he made them both hmm. male and female. Hmm. Therefore, the characteristics in females must also be found in God. It cannot be uh, one or the other. It has to be both. So whenever hmm. I pray at night, I can't call God Big Daddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a terrible joke. I, I doesn't, doesn't bother me. <laughs>
A lot of people believe, like, they get in a car accident and they survive. Oh, God was watching over me. Do you really think God yeah. would care on an individual level that he spends all the time looking at yeah. each individual and, and, person? Yes, and, yeah, I, he would have to. And the reason for that is physics, since we like physics. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. In order for God to be able to do any one thing, every other thing has to be, in fact, factored into the equation, both in what happens and to quote something that we call Molinism, uh, he must also factor in all the possibilities and probabilities uh, inherent in each situation. Anyway, I'm going on and on. The quick answer to your question is, I, I'll get to tell you a story. I was in a doctor's office, and the doctor said to me, what do you do for a living? I said, I teach theology and ethics. And he said, uh, I believe in God. I just don't really believe he cares about me. I said, oh. He said, yeah. And I said, looked at him and I said, it is illogical that a purposeful act of creation would lack purpose. And that God purposely creates, by definition, creation has purpose. What the purpose is, is not said. But it would be illogical that it would not have purpose if God purposely creates. He looked at me and he said, that makes perfect sense. And I said, yes, it does. It'll be $75. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> what about people who are born with horrible birth defects? I mean... Are they, I mean, I, I, that could be a, a can of worms right there. But, uh, no, it's the same question of as imperfection and suffering. And, and I think that it has to, I think that there has to be some benefit in an eternal sense in order for any of that to make sense. And so if there is no eternity, then it doesn't make any sense at all. And by the way, I don't care. If there's not an eternity, why would I even care? But if there's an eternity, there has to be a, a, a benefit for those who, frankly, are going to get not as good a deal on this earth. And I think that that's true. I think there's people who don't get as good a deal on this earth. I mean, if you're born in Bangladesh, bottom line is you're not going to have as good a deal as uh, people in the United States. And I think that there, I think that there has to be some eternal benefit. Okay, so we're coming up. We got uh, we got maybe like 20 more minutes. So uh, obviously, Sean wants to get on with investing, and I'm very curious to hear your answers too. I just want to ask too. you. You're a re you're a really passionate, interesting guy. You know, I've I've definitely learned a lot. But uh, you know, usually with passionate, interesting guys, they also like to invest, and and um, usually <laughs> are passionate about how they invest, and and it's usually kind of intertwined. So so how do you invest as a as a? Okay, it's funny you mentioned that. I was talking to somebody today about this, and. When I was a pastor, uh, I didn't make much money, okay? That's the reality. I didn't make much. On my very first year of pastoring, they couldn't pay me a salary, okay? Uh, so how did I survive? Your investments uh, is the answer. My main form of investing is real estate. And the reason I like real estate is because uh, there's not a whole lot of, uh, I'm not trying to make it simple, but there's not a whole lot that can go wrong in a real estate investment. Uh, they're pretty safe investments, and they do very, very well. They do. Uh, real estate is, yeah. Very good for uh, laundering I, money. Yeah. <laughs> very good for laundering money. Maybe that's how. I would how... not know about that, but I'll take your. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing do around I with you. Do I also have stocks? Yeah, I have stocks, uh, and uh, the reason that I do stocks is because of the historical value of stocks and how they go up over time. Do you choose your stocks on morality? Yes, I do. I have some stories uh, of losing money that way. And, okay. So, no. For example, I inherited uh, Philip Morris, uh, the cigarette maker. Okay? Cigarettes kill 475 to 465 to 475,000 people 
in the U.S. alone per year, that and tobacco-related products. I felt it was immoral to support them, so I absolutely sold that stock. It went through the roof. So be it. You know, that's the way that goes. So a lot of my stocks right now are given over to uh, uh, basically someone who's going to do it for me, and I do dabble in it a little bit now, uh, just because it's fun. That's yep. probably the only reason. Honestly, I like it. Uh, any crypto? But no, I don't have any crypto. You might say, well, you should definitely be in that. Uh, Shiba coin. Get, yeah, go deep into Shiba. <laughs> you could buy a billion yeah. of them for like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. One of the reasons I'm giving it over to investment people is because my life is kind of busy, and uh, I have three full-time jobs. And so oh, wow. I just don't have time for it. Well, I appreciate we, your time. We, we appreciate your time. Definitely. We, I was going to say that, too. Oh. We definitely appreciate you coming out tonight. You've been most kind. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot personally. and You're definitely a much different person than uh, than Stephen made you out to be. So. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> still yeah. harboring a grudge. He's still harboring over the exam. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. Oh, Whenever he said he you were the God's lawyer, we were like, well, shit, we're going to have to break out all the scripture, really get down into detail. But tonight has been a really uh, pleasant time for me. Um, you know, I've learned... Yeah, I, I love learning people's perspectives. I, it, I often get pinged as weird uh, because, like, one of the first things that I ask people, or during conversations, like, so, what do you feel about aliens? Like, do they exist? I don't ask them, like, are they probing people? I just ask them, like, do they exist? What do you think about the universe? Does it keep going? Yeah. And, um... Yeah. I feel like it's a great way to get to know somebody, and I, I like your answers. Uh, first of all, I don't agree on all of them, of course, but that's that's everybody. You can't agree with everybody, but I but I would be happy at the end of the day to shake hands uh, with you and say we disagree. But I love that you're doing great in this world, and I would love to you know continue to have you in it. I think you're doing amazing. Oh, thank you so much. That's very nice of you, Cole. Thank you. Well, I have enjoyed myself. Uh, as you can tell, I enjoy this. I love talking about these things. And, uh, you know, it was great, Stephen. It was great to see you again. haven't yeah. uh, seen you since you walked out of the classroom crying, holding the midterm in your hand. No, I'm just joking. Just joking. <laughs> so, so as you can see, he's doing terrible right now. No, he's doing fantastic. He's, <laughs> he's no, absolutely good. I, no I have no doubt. It's can, great can I... to see you again. Can I ask one last question? You have an answer, obviously, for everything, especially when it comes to religion. Is there any question that's okay just to be a question and not have an answer to it? Sure, sure. There are there are questions like that. And one of the uh, people ask me, and I tell them, I have no idea. So I'll give you two of them that I don't know the answers to, okay? And, and, and one of them is, what will we be like in heaven? I don't know. All I know is, the scriptures promise us that it'll be better than here you don't subscribe to the fact that it could be tailored to each individual person so like i'm not sure if well, i do okay i do subscribe to that okay. yeah i do subscribe to that yeah absolutely but uh example uh people people ask questions like will i have a big nose when i'm in heaven <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting well my answer is I, I i don't really know what i know is you either won't care and you'll be like, ah, so what? Okay. Or you're going to have a great nose. I don't know. That's awesome. But we always end our podcast with this question. 
Is there any question or topic that we haven't brought up today that you think is very important that we talk about? Are you asking me? Paul? Yes, yes. Or yeah, who are you asking? I'm asking you. Is there any topic or question that we haven't brought up today that you think is important that we bring up? Well, we've covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good you, question. You did mention something about uh, near-death experiences. I don't know if that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought we covered that. I was, yeah, I'd ask you that. What do you guys believe about near death? What do you, have you seen the video of Pam Reynolds? I can't believe I, uh, no, I don't think so. I have. Wasn't that, that the one is, turned out to be fake, though? Is that the same oh, one I'm thinking of? That's malarkey. Well, there's a bunch of them. That's there. the same. There's a, there's definitely one that was, that turned out to be totally fake, but I don't know if that was that one. Yeah, that's, as a matter of fact, malarkey is the name. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not making that up. Oh, the well, name okay. of the... I thought you were just telling another joke. I was like, that's Malarkey. Oh, okay. Would I tell a joke? No, okay, okay. Yeah, no, seriously. There was a guy named Malarkey who made this whole thing up, and they made money off of it, you know? Well, there's a lot of uh, snake oil products that you can make money off of. Oh, of course. Of course, of course. You can do that with anything. I mean, look. Plus, you sell your, a your body... In those cases, you know, dumps all kinds of, you know, psychedelic hormones like DMT or whatever that's yeah, going to cause, you know, right, right, right. different experience. Well, yes, DMT could be a possible explanation. But what I like about the Pam Reynolds one is that, in fact, she hears and relays the conversation of people other than herself. And that's what I find fascinating. We in other words, yes, you're right. People can, you know, your brain can create all sorts of things. But in this particular instance, the doctor gets on, and you can watch it on the BBC uh, channel, or 2020 did a thing on her too. And the doctor gets on and says, there isn't any medical explanation. There's no biological explanation to explain how she heard a conversation. And, and here's the facts of the case. All of the blood is drained out of her brain. So what I'm, what I'm reading is she just experienced some anesthesia awareness and all the stories that she claimed occurred before or after her flatline, and none of them were in her third-party situation. But So yeah, I'm, no, I'm, that's I'm just what, reading some, yeah. some pushback on that. Hey, uh, Sean, except that's not what she says. Yeah, I don't know the story. I'm just re I'm just, I just Googled yeah. it, and it's just the first. And, you know, there, There's a lot of debunking of it already. Yeah, well, I'm sure of that. I don't doubt that. But I would say watch the video for yourself because, of course, people are going to try to debunk it because, basically, if you're going to go with that she heard anything in that state was uh, done, saw, talked about. And uh, then we've got a very interesting question going on. The other one is, uh, what about Eben Alexander, a Harvard neurosurgeon? Uh, I'm not sure. Not familiar. Yeah, I would sir. look that up too. And so, if you're asking me, is there anything that we should talk about? I would, because I'm aware that DMT is an explanation. Sure, of course. But uh, even Alexander's book, which he calls Proof of Heaven, is very interesting. Why? Because he's a Harvard neurosurgeon. He's not, mm. how can I say, informed about neurology. As a matter of fact, let's put it another way. He's about as good as it gets. If you're going to get somebody talking about a near-death experience, to get a Harvard neurosurgeon to say, hey, look, I'm going to tell you this stuff is real. And so, sure, of course, DMT is an explanation. Uh, but he has some stuff that he writes in there. And at the back of the book, 
He was Actually, also. So I'm reading. He was. If I'm just, I just Google it, and then the Good. first thing is saying he he hadn't practiced in over a year, was facing his three million in malpractice lawsuits, and then he oh, used this to propel himself through a best-selling book and movie deal. So. Oh uh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> so there's some there's some it, definite uh, is it, profiteering. Is it possible that. that he's doing it this way? <laughs> now, my interest in this comes from a person who I knew, who wasn't selling a book. And what occurred in this situation was that they start talking to a little girl as they're dying. Have you ever Based taken... on what I have understood from the family, was a little girl who had died, who was his sister, who his family had decided to never tell him about it. And when he says, who is that little girl? The family goes, what in the world? Well, granted, maybe he's having a hallucinogenic experience. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But the question was known by the people who were standing around. They knew what he was talk what he was asking. So do I believe that there is such a thing? Yeah, I do. I think that there is such a thing. And I think that uh, this whole even the and here we'll get off into the uh, the Pentecostal aspect. I've seen things that I don't think there's any possible way to explain truthfully. Well, like speaking uh, okay. in tongues. I mean, what is that? Is that is how do you get into a state where God is speaking through you? Is there like preparation, things you do? Like, what's that whole? Yeah. Okay. That, that one yeah. to me yeah. is like. <laughs> yeah. The University of Pennsylvania did a study, CAT scan on people speaking in tongues, and found that it has a calming influence on the brain. And in fact, it doesn't even come from the language center of the brain, which means it's just gibberish. That's all it is. Okay. Or that there's something else going on. In other words, the language center is not manufacturing this. I know a good gentleman, and again, it's all hearsay to you all because you don't know you don't know who I'm talking about. Who didn't believe in anything at all? Goes into a prayer meeting where they're speaking in tongues, and he hears someone speaking in Polish. He walks up to the lady, and he said, "That was a beautiful prayer. I've never heard such beautiful Polish." And she looks at him and she says, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so you're telling me it's not coming from the the Wernicke's area or the Broca's area, according to... According to the CAT scan of the University of Pennsylvania, it does not come from the language center of the brain. Interesting. So you're not even controlling it at all? You're not controlling it at all? It's, it's totally involuntary? Yeah. Um, oh, well, okay, so... The answer is yes and no, which uh, unfortunately is the answer, okay? It is not originating uh, from, uh, here's how I describe it. I sense it. I sense something welling up inside of me. Could be completely biochemical, okay? I have the ability to control whether I open my mouth or not. But the words themselves are something that are spiritual and not merely the manufacturing of my brain would you can i control it through my mouth sure would you be are you ever interested in in experiencing a dmt like doing uh let's say if we had a pharmaceutical company that made it purely it was legal you could go you let's say you go to like a different country or this country maybe it becomes yeah. legal in this country we're talking about legal terms as a theoretical would yeah, yeah, you, I got you. would I got you, you do dmt sure to see like hey what m maybe this is all dmt maybe what i'm experiencing near death is dmt yeah. maybe <clears throat> I get yeah, yeah. it wouldn't it, 
it wouldn't convince me uh, you because would do it. well I, if it was legal i i don't i wouldn't have a problem with it yeah Right. I mean, it'd be like if you ask me, can I drink Mountain Dew? I mean, yeah. Right. Sure. <laughs> On the same level, more or less, right? <laughs> Caffeine, DMT, you... heroin, whatever. Yeah, Let's I mean, party. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of other factors to it. If you're saying to me, there are no side effects that we can find other than positive ones. Yeah, sure. Yeah, plus, okay. if you, especially if it's led by a psychologist or someone that's actually, uh, there's benefits, you know, there's psychological benefits yeah. and healing and all right. kinds of really cool things, especially the all ayahuasca ceremonies they do. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I would not have a problem with it because if it were legal and it didn't have any, uh, and it was studied enough to know whether it has a significant side effect uh, that lingers, uh, so, you know, like LSD, uh, you know, okay, no, I don't want to try LSD. But if it didn't have any side effects and it were legal, but I try it as a, how should I say, understand it more? Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Is, is there, I mean, Cole, I could go ahead and ask, but uh, is, is there anything that you would like to uh, promote or shout out or um, anywhere that? Yeah, the shout, out, the shout out is for the boys' home uh, for Anchor House. And uh, I, I do really wish people would get behind this because. Um, where can we where you know, can where can we send them? Is there a website? Is there a uh, yeah, social so media? Great. www.anchor-house.org. It's www.anchor-house.org. Is there any and social so, medias? Yeah. Uh, we do have social media. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have we don't have anybody doing much with it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, there's, we're on Facebook, Anchor House. There's a bunch of anchor houses out there, by the way. So you sort of have to uh, cipher out which one is which. Well, we'll but the website is clear. We will li- we'll leave the website in the description below. Um, Dr. Joe Davis, it's been an absolute uh, thrill to have you on. Uh, you're definitely our break from the norm, uh, 100%. <laughs> and, and we appreciate People the break. From the- all my life. Well, hey, <laughs> it's a good thing to be. It's a, It Keep really it is. Keep it up. Um like I said earlier, I appreciate you as a human being. You've been absolutely great. I'm, I'm so glad to hear you're doing more than just preaching the scripture or your philosophy. Um, you're actually practice, practicing it as, as best to your ability. And I want to thank you for changing these kids' lives because they would be, statistic, statistically speaking, lost without you and the people that you work with. So I want to thank you for that. Well, well Cole, thank you so much. And uh, Sean, uh, Stephen, thank you. You you have been most gracious. I've enjoyed our time together. You guys have been great. Uh, really cool uh, idea. Uh, I love the idea. As soon as I heard your title, Absurd Curiosity, I thought, oh, I'll fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Well, and that's, that we, try, awesome. we try to have a warming, joking around uh, podcast so people can come on and they – for most people, they're always, or at least scientists in, in our part, they always have like their professional business suit on whenever they come do these talk shows. We don't want that. We want you to come in, t-shirt. Or all and, t-shirts. Yeah, we'll just wear a t-shirt, have a beer, do whatever gets you relaxed, and let's just talk about it as friends uh, and la- and make make jokes while doing so. That's that's. That's I'm totally we against joking. I'm absolutely against that. <laughs> 100%. You seem like it. It, it should uh, it, ban it. Ban it like alcohol in the 1920s. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. So, <laughs> Well, uh, thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Davis. Good Very talking cool. to you.
Yep. Thanks for joining. All right, y'all take care. Bye, guys.